Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join special guest Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Wow, I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you, Brother Henry, for extending this invitation to us. Thank you, River of Life, for the great worship service we've had. And uh, I was sitting there on the front pew, and I made an executive decision. When you're in evangelism and you're the only one there, you can do that. And uh, so I'm going to take Lori with me when I go on my trips from now on. Have her sing that song every time I get ready to preach. How about that? I tell you, we don't need a message. We just need to let her sing. What a glorious thing. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, and I'm going to be speaking on heaven. Uh, Heaven is mentioned uh, 550 times in your Bible. And yet most of the people, when you start talking about heaven, they're as mixed up as a termite and a yo-yo. Because most of our theology comes from songs or books from the secular world. Do you know what the Bible says? We're going to put up 1 Corinthians chapter 2 real quick. Here upon this, this screen up here, verses 9 through 12. And I want you to read with me what the Bible says about what God's got for us, okay? 1 Corinthians, here it is, chapter 2, and verse, beginning in verse number 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has got prepared for them that love him. Do you understand that? You, you can't conceive all that God's got for you. And then the next verse begins, I love this, the Bible says, but. Don't you love it when God butts in, Amen. He's just told us in our flesh, I cannot conceive it, ear cannot contain it, heart cannot believe it, but God hath revealed them unto us, how? By His Spirit. When you got saved by a glorious, glorious gift of God, He placed within you His Holy Spirit. And it is that Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, that reveals unto us by the Spirit, the things of God, even the deep things of God. The Bible says that, that the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. If you were to go a little bit further in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you can make mistakes like that when you're old. It's okay. You just have to watch out for those guys who want to put you in that home all the time. But if you went a little bit further in this, the Word of God tells us down there in the closing verses of this chapter, verse number 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, but the natural man, the one that is not saved, the one that is born of flesh, but he's never been born of the Spirit, never had the Holy Spirit of God placed in his life. Listen to what it says. He says, the natural man receiveth not. The things that are God, they are foolishness unto him. I talked to some people about heaven. We all live and die. And you know, one day when you die, they're going to take you out to the graveyard. They're going to throw you in the ground, throw dirt in your face. That's what life is all about. Do you know that in a recent poll of Americans, 80% of the people said they believe in heaven? And that's really amazing because 80% is more than the number of people that believe in God. They don't believe in God, but they believe in heaven. Why? Because all of us want to believe in a place that, that when this life is over, there is something more. And so the Word of God, I'm going to shoot this scripture, man. The Word of God says, The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually concerned. Neither can he know them. But the Spirit of God has been placed within you. 
There's some wonderful, wonderful scriptures in your Bible if you take the time to read it. One of the things that the Bible tells us in John, the 16th chapter, Jesus Christ has just told his disciples that he's going away. You find that in John, the 14th chapter. But in the 16th chapter, he says, when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, unto you. And he will begin to reveal to you what the Word of God says. He's going to guide you into all truth. And so when you begin to open the Word of God as a born-again believer... And the Holy Spirit of God begins to show you these great mysteries that are there. Then you are to take those and you are to share them with other people. That's a ministry. Now I've got to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, for 17 and a half years, I pastored uh, a, a church in Perry, Florida. And uh, Brother uh, Henry and, and my wife and several other people that have never lived in Taylor County, all they know about Taylor County is if you want to fight, you go to Taylor County. That, that's, that's what it is. I'm sorry. But we were living there. I didn't get in a fight with anybody for 22 years the whole time I was there. And we had a great ministry there. God blessed in a great way. And uh, November the 20th, 1999, is just an average day in the Jenkins house. Uh, my son, uh, who had moved back in with us for the third time, was a high school math teacher. My daughter, who is here today with her husband, Jeremy and Laura Gray, <laughs> they're ministers in their church, but they're here today, and we thank God for them being here. She was going to school, taking all of my money to FSU. My wife was working at the paper mill and uh, having a great time out there. She had all kinds of friends, had a good job. And I was pastoring this church, and Friday was my day off. And so on this particular Friday, everybody gets up, everybody's rushing around doing their thing. My son has to get to school early because the FCA is meeting in his classroom at 7.30. And so he get, gets out the door, and, and then my daughter leaves, and my wife leaves, and I'm there by myself because I like to sleep late on Fridays. It was my day off. And I never saw my son that day. In fact, when he got off from work that afternoon, he went down to the local hardware store where his best friend, who was the son of our chairman of the deacons, worked. And they got together and they went to Tallahassee to the fun center and they played around with the games up there, did laser tag and all that kind of stuff. And I saw a lot of people from the church there, talked to a lot of people from the church, but not mom and I, we had stayed home. About 12.30, my daughter comes upstairs in our home and knocks on our bedroom door. And she comes in, she says, Daddy, something's terribly, terribly wrong. I said, what's the matter? She said, our whole front yard is full of people. And so I get up, you know, put your clothes on, and uh, go downstairs. I open the front door, and there stands a man that is much, much larger than I am. He was one of the deacons in our church, and he was trying to say something, but he couldn't say anything and finally, Dwayne Bowden, a young deputy sheriff who I had led to the Lord, stepped in front of him and said, Brother Bill, there's been an accident. Chris won't be coming home tonight. I had to go back upstairs and tell his mother and his sister that our 25-year-old son had been killed in an automobile accident. I cannot tell you what your heart goes through as a parent. I have people come up to me and say, oh, preacher, I know exactly what you went through. No way in this world will I ever say that again to anybody who's lost a loved one because you don't have the same relationship that they had. My son and I were, we were thick as thieves, hardened to fun. We played ball together. We hunted together. We fished together. We got mad with each other. We even fought. But he was my son. So I began to do some research into this thing called heaven. Because when your kids move off to another town, you always want to know all you can know about that town. And I began to go through the scriptures. And I began to come to some of these great passages like John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. Jesus Christ looking at his disciples. He's been telling them for three years that he's got to go away, that he's got to leave them like my son had left me. And Jesus looked at those disciples and for the first time the light has come on for them. 
And they are, they are really understanding that Jesus is leaving. And they're distraught. One of them said, Lord, we've left all to follow you. What are we going to do? And Jesus makes this statement. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verse number 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. It's within your keeping if you worry about it. But let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And I know that the scholars and the Greek theologians nowadays, they're telling us that that word means abiding places. I want to tell you, anything that's made by the hands of Jesus is greater than anything you can possibly conceive. Amen? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'll send an angel after you. Where did that come from? Hollywood. Yeah. And if you want to really trace it back, it goes back to the Old Testament doctrine that is found in Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter, where the Bible says a fellow by the name of Lazarus died and he was taken by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which was a resting place. But if you don't stop your study there and you continue on, you will find in Ephesians chapter number 4 that when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, He descended into captivity and He led captivity captive so that now the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, where is the Lord? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. So much so that Paul would say, we're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I got my ticket punched. I'm just waiting on the train. Amen. I'm excited. Why? Because I'm going to heaven. Revelation chapter 21, if you will, please. Verse number 1. John the Revelator is there on the Isle of Patmos. He's been exiled there because he was a Christian. Our pastor preached last Sunday about the persecution of being a Christian. The Word of God said if anybody would live godly, they shall suffer persecution. The Word of God teaches us that because of of this world being filled with vile wickedness, that those who name the name of Christ, they are going to go through some suffering. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, the Bible says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that has come upon you as though some strange thing has happened to you. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him rejoice. And by the way, when you suffer as a Christian, you know it. I I promise you, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, they didn't scratch their heads saying, I wonder why that happened. When Daniel's down in the lion's den, he's not wondering why in the world is he there. He is being persecuted because of his stand for Christ. When Stephen is being stoned and the stones are falling around his head, he knows why he's being persecuted. Because of his stand for Christ. So we come to Revelation 21. You've got that in front of you? The word of God says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, I love this, as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are all passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. In order for you to understand the scripture that I just read for you, 
you must understand that it is written for a future day. If you are a historical premillennialist, a dispensational premillennialist, pre-tribulationist as I am, you got all that, right? What you believe is that this world has been in existence only 6,000 years. That God, when he made it, he made it complete, and then we have 4,000 years, and then we have Jesus Christ. And then from Jesus Christ until where you and I are living today is around 2,000 years. And we understand that there has to be a 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. So you got 4,000, 2,000, one more 1,000, that's 7,000, seven's the perfect number of God. Kind of looking for him to come any moment. We also believe that when the New Testament is written that God blessed a fellow by the name of John to write the book of the Revelation. And in the book of the Revelation, he reveals unto us uh, not only his person in chapter number 1, but in chapter 2 and chapter number 3, he reveals all of the church age, ending with the church of Laodicea, which is neither hot nor cold, but just lukewarm. In chapter 4 and verse number 1 of the book of the Revelation, we have the rapture of the church. For John the Revelator, there on the Isle of Patmos, heard this saying, Come up hither. I believe you and I are going to hear that one day. In chapter 4 and 5, it's all about what we've been singing about this morning. It's about bowing in the presence of God in the throne room of heaven itself. It's about getting before God and casting our crowns at His feet because He's worthy. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. He's worthy of all that you can do. In Revelation chapter 6, the Bible talks about the great uh, tribulation period starting. That tribulation period cannot start according to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Unless the Holy Spirit of God be called out, only he who now let will let until he be taken out of the way. That's what your Bible says. Well, where's the Holy Spirit? He's inside the believer. So when the believers leave, the Holy Spirit leaves. And then the, capital, then the wicked one, capital W, shall be revealed. And he comes on with lying wonders and disabledness and all kind of things. And the Word of God says for the next seven years from Revelation chapter 6 all the way to Revelation chapter number 16, you have the tribulation period the great tribulation where the world is devoid of the spirit of god wow matthew 24 and 25 says if those days were not shortened the earth itself could not survive revelation chapter number 17 deals with the judgment of ecclesiastical babylon the great false doctrine of the last days Revelation chapter number 18 deals with the judgment of economic Babylon because men have put their trust in money more than their trust in God. Revelation chapter number 19, oh, so many things happened. The four hallelujahs in heaven. The wedding supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah, I'm going to be a bride one day. You don't believe that? I am. And then the Word of God says that Jesus Christ comes back riding across the Milky Way on a white horse. He has on a vesture dipped in blood. Upon his head are many crowns. Upon his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming yonder to the Valley of Megiddo. He's going to ascend into that valley. All the armies of the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, they are all gathered together to do war against the king. And it's going to be like somebody took a real ripe tomato and threw it into a wearing blender and set on puree. Zoop! With a sword in his mouth, he destroys all the enemies of the Antichrist. And the false prophet and the beast are taken and they're thrown into the bottomless pit, the abyss. And, 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 the, and the Bible says that God takes Satan and chains him. For 1,000 years, Jesus Christ rules upon this earth with a rod of iron. Perfect peace. But at the end of the 1,000 years, Satan is loosed out of his dungeon. He goes to the four corners of the earth. The descendants of those who have lived through the great tribulation period have now repopulated the earth. 1,000 years. And he begins to gather an army. And the Bible says he comes against the throne of the Lamb as the sand upon the seashore. Because man loves darkness rather than light. And given a choice between having Christ rule over you, or believing the lie of the devil, the natural man always chooses the devil. And the Bible says the great battle is consummated and Christ is victorious. 
And the devil is now taken and he's thrown into that pit, that abyss that burns with fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet. In Revelation chapter number 20, the Bible says, the fire of their torment hath hinged up forever and ever. In Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11 and following, the Bible says, John the Revelator saw a new, he says, I saw a great white throne, great because of who sets upon it, white because of the purity of his judgment. I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, the earth and the heavens, they fled away, and there's found no place for them. And then the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. What books, preacher? I believe it's God's owner's manual for life. I believe it's these 66 books right here. And the Bible says the dead are judged according to the things that are written in the books. And then another book is opened called the Lamb's Book of Life. And whosoever is not found written in the Lamb's book of life is taken and cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. And then we come to Revelation 21.1. I saw a new heaven. Hallelujah. Do you realize there's only been three time spans upon earth? In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that's our past. Man lived upon the earth, no sin. No sin. Then you come to Genesis chapter 3, all the way down through Revelation chapter number 20. Man lives on the earth with sin. How's that working out for us? But then we come to our future, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. And again, man lives upon the earth, no sin. Just the way that God intended. Well, what did John see? He said, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. I love the way he said this. He said, I'm trying to figure out how to explain this to you. I'm trying to tell you what this beautiful city is going to be like. For the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, verse number 32, he that delivered up his son, how will he not freely give us all things? He said, I'm trying to explain to you what this new city is going to be like. And, uh, 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 I tell you what it's like. It's just like a bride when she prepares for her wedding day. Do you remember that, ladies? My daughter's sitting here. She got married 15 years ago. Is that right? See, Dad doesn't forget everything. I remember it distinctly because I learned a great deal of lessons. You see, I did not, I was ignorant. I did not know that you couldn't buy a dress and a veil and a, sh a pair of shoes all at the same store. I didn't know you couldn't do that. I did not know that when you started looking for a, a wedding dress, that you had to go to every shop in North Florida and South Georgia and South Alabama. I didn't know that you had to go every weekend. I didn't know that after you spent all of that money driving all over the place, that you're going to come back to the very first store and you're going to buy the very first dress you ever put on. I didn't know that. I've been pastoring and preaching evangelistic work for over 42 years. And all that time I've never seen an ugly bride. I've had some pretty close calls. <laughs> I was pastoring in Perry, and I'm not going to use any names because some of y'all might be kin to these people. <laughs> I was at my office. It was early on Saturday morning. had a wedding at 4 o'clock that afternoon. And I was there in my office, and I came out of my office. I had got all my stuff ready for Sunday. I got my stuff ready, and I'm ready. To, and I walk out, and it's about 8.30 in the morning, maybe 9 o'clock at the very latest. And I'm getting in my car, and up pulls this pickup truck. I promise you, it is held together with bubble gum and bailey wire. How it ran, I have no idea. Great big old whip antenna doing this. Dog box in the back. Great big old tires. Looked like as tall as I was on this truck. The door opens and this thing comes crawling out. It had one pink foot and one yellow foot. One of them was a bunny rabbit, one of them was a duck. 
sweatpants, a jersey that some guy that weighed 500 pounds once wore. Great big old things all up in its head and hair. Great big old square glass of green stuff on its face. It saw me and I saw it. It scared me to death and I scared it to death. It run as hard as it could into the Family Life Center like to broke the door when it slammed the door. All afternoon long, I've got this vision in my mind. I meet with a prospective groom at 3.30. I said, son, we're, we're here to have prayer. But before we do, are you sure about this? He said, yes, sir, she is the one for me. And I thought to myself, son, you know a lot better than I do. You know how it goes in a wedding. I came out, the groom came out, stood there. The best man came up. We had our attendants here. Little girls come in one at a time. Fourteen little kids throwing flowers. And then finally everybody's in and the doors are shut. And the pianist and organist come down with a wedding march. Dum, da, 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 dum. And the back doors open. I want to tell you what, you talk about a miracle. Maybelline had done her best work that day. She, she come down that aisle and stood there in front of me and the man was there. Everybody thought I was emotional. I was astonished. I, I looked at her. I couldn't say anything for a few minutes. So we go through the vows and we come to the place where where I asked him, I said, son, will you have this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Will you live together in a holy state of matrimony? Will you love her and honor her and keep her, forsaking all others, keep the only to her as long as you both shall live? And he was trying to impress his friends. And so with his best Gomer Pyle imitation, he said, I sure do. I didn't say it out loud. But in my heart, I thought it. Buddy, you just wait till in the morning. You're going to get everything you got coming to you. <laughs> Amen. Do you remember, ladies? Do you remember what it was like to prepare for that day? John said, when I saw heaven, when I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, to me it was just like a bride who was prepared for her wedding day. As you read the rest of chapter number 21, you're going to find that this beautiful bride is symbolic of the church. Yeah, you've got that in front of you. Look over there in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 9. Can we throw that up there on the screen? It's very important. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of the last seven plagues, and he talked with me and said, Come hither, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. You see, there's a preparation that must be done before our coronation, our great wedding. My wife is here today, and, and, and I, as, as, as you read through the Revelation, the 21st chapter, you're going to find that the city of this place that we refer to as heaven is, is a city where the streets are gold, and, and the walls are jasper, and the gates are made of pearl, and, and the foundations are 12 beautiful stones. Why is all that in the Bible? I love my wife with all that's within me, honestly, before God. And if it were within my keeping... She'd have a brand new car every year. I love her that much. I, I, I do. If it was within my keeping, she'd never wear the same dress twice in a row. If it was within my keeping, I would have a brand new house for her to live in every month. Do you understand when you read about those 12 foundations and those walls of jasper and those gates of pearl? Asking in the streets of gold. This is just God saying, I love you this much. This is how much I love you. I'm willing to give all of this to you. The word of God 
tells us that God commended his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we turned over a new leaf. He didn't wait till we got better. He died for us in that while we were yet sinners. Romans 8, 32, in reference to a while ago, the word of God says, he that delivered up his own son, how shall he not freely give you? All things. Heavens. Wow, I can't even imagine. A place of incomparable beauty. But not just incomparable beauty. Heaven is a place. Heaven is, is a place of inconceivable blessings. Listen to what he says. In verse number one, he says, I, John, saw the new heaven descending out of heaven as a bride prepared for her husband for her wedding day. And, and if you read the last part of verse number one, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Have you ever read something in the Bible and you said, why is that there? What is that doing there? No more sea. You understand that John's on the Isle of Patmos. You understand that everything that John loves is on the mainland. The churches he started, the people he's won to the Lord, his family, everything he loves is over there. And the one thing that's keeping him from being with them is that sea. And so John says, when we get over there, there won't be any more separation. There won't be anybody moving away never to be able to sing again. In fact, when you and I get there, the Word of God says there's a permanence about heaven. It's going to last forever and ever. But not only the, the, the permanence, the personality of heaven. Look what your Bible says. You've got it there in front of you. Verse number 3, he said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. You and I are going to get to live next door to God. Amen. That changed a lot of folks' lifestyles. A lot of folks are going to have to learn new vocabulary. And the prohibitions of heaven, verse number four, God shall wipe away all tears. Won't be any tears in heaven. There'll be no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither, neither shall there, there be any more pain. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. The former things are all passed away. I began to make a list. In heaven, there will be no sin to tempt you. There will be no trial to test you. There will be no devil to trick you. There will be no sorrow to grieve you. There will be no sickness to weaken you. There will be no liars to deceive you. There will be no thieves to rob you. There will be no rebellious to mislead you. There will be no death to bereave you. No guilt to haunt you. No war to destroy you. No sin, no sin to bind you. No darkness to blind you. No time to push you. No curse to haunt you. No problems to worry you. No needs to plague you. No power to remove you. I'm trying to tell you about heaven and it's there and it's a real place because he loves heaven's going to be a place of indescribable beauty and conceivable blessings I could talk about the incorruptible believer you know one day I'm going to have a hair When I was a young man, I had long hair. Now I just long for hair. But in Revelation chapter number 1, John the Revelator saw the glorified Christ. And he had white hair. Long, flowing white hair. That's important to me. Should be important to you, sir. First John chapter 3, verse number 2. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall see him and we shall be like him. Amen? And if he's got long hair, glory! First Corinthians chapter 15 says that I'm going to have this glorified body that's never going to grow old. Corruption is going to put on incorruption. Mortal will put on immortality. I'm going to live as long as Jesus lives. 
But I've got to go quickly for my fourth point. And I don't want, this is, this is what this sermon is all about. I enjoy telling people about the wedding. I enjoy telling people about heaven. But heaven is going to be a place of impossible breach. A place of, of, of indescribable beauty, a place of incomparable blessings, a place of the incorruptible believer. Yes, all of those things. But heaven is going to be a place of impossible breach. Revelation 21, verse number 8. Would you put that up there, please? John is talking about all of the blessings of heaven and the beauty of heaven. And then there's this word again. But. God is butting in again. But the fearful, those who are scared to stand up for Jesus, the Word said, if you deny me before me, and I'll deny you before my Father which is in heaven. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderer, the whoremonger, the sorcerers, man, what a crowd, the idolaters. And then these three words, and all liars. You ever tell a lie? No, not you. You were five years old standing on a stool in the kitchen. You had crumbs on your face. The cookies were open. Mama walks in and said, have you been in the cookies? And you said, no. <laughs> Liar. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second in the middle of describing all of the beauties and glories of heaven. He said, i got to tell you, not everybody's going. Look again, if you will, down just a few verses. Verse number 27. We'll get it there in a moment. Revelation 21, verse number 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever that worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Not everybody's going to heaven. If they would, it wouldn't be heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us back in Revelation 21.8 that there is another place beside heaven. It's called hell place where the fire of their torment ascends up forever and ever. A lake burning with fire and brimstone. Now, now the sad thing about this is that in 42 years of ministry I have come to the place where I believe there are only three groups of people in hell. There, there are those that I would commonly refer to as fools. Because your Bible says in, in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 14, verse number 1, again in Psalms 53, verse number 1, that the fool has said in his heart, no God. In other words, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want God over me. I'm going to deny the very existence of God because if I deny the existence of God, I can do whatever I want to and I have no answerability to anybody. And the fool that in his heart, no God. That's one group. Uh, the second would be what I would term the foolish. People who believe in God, people who could have been saved, but they just kept waiting. Felix was one of those, you remember. And the Bible says as Paul reasoned of righteousness and judgment to come, Felix said, hey, wait a minute, Paul. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I cannot tell you the number of meetings I've been across in this country and in foreign countries where I've stood in the pulpit and the Holy Spirit of God has begun to walk through a congregation much like this and I've seen people that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt needed to come and get on the altar and get saved and they would grab the back of the pew. I've seen men pinch babies just so they could take them out. Honestly, I've seen people elbow their wives and say, I gotta go, and they go, but not to the front, to the back. They had a chance. The Holy Spirit of God tells us 
that He comes to convict of judgment and sin. John the 16th chapter, He comes to guide us. John 6.44, the Bible says that no man can come to the Son unless the Father draws Him. How does He do that? He does through the precious Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is drawing people, the foolish say, not now, some other day, some other time, I'm going to get some things right. I'm going to go home. I'm going to straighten out some things. I'll be back. John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, 21st verse. Jesus Christ, in speaking to the most religious people of his day in this time, he makes this statement. He said, because you do not believe in me, you shall die in your sin. And whether I go, you cannot come. Look again, in that same chapter, guys, if you'll throw it up for me, John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, and uh, look, if you will, down there in verse number, I believe it's 27. They understood that he's spoken to them of the Father. You and I have come to a place where we are excusing everything. If my kid makes failing grades, it's not because I'm not spending enough time with him. It's because he's got a problem. Because he's just like all the other kids. If he's not an athlete, it's because his mama didn't eat right when she was pregnant. And we've got all these excuses. I was going to get right, preacher. I was going to do right. I was going to turn over a new leaf. I was just waiting until I got a little bit older, you know. Old folks love Jesus. <laughs> but your Bible says there's appointed on a man a time to die. And you don't know when that time is. My son's time was 25 years of age. I have buried children 7, 8, 9, 12, 14, 15 years of age. You said in this auditorium, guarantee me you can be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. There's not a one of you who can raise your hand. For the Bible says you know not what a day may bring forth. Your life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a short while and then soon vanisheth away. The psalmist said there is but one step between me and death. Job said my days are faster than a weaver's shuttle. Foolish! They could have been saved. But they were not. But perhaps the greatest crowd that's going to be in hell. My understanding are the ones that I simply refer to as the fooled. The fooled. First Corinthians, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 5. The Bible says, speaking to the church, are you listening? Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. What? I'm in the church. Examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove yourselves. Know ye not your own selves that how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except you be reprobates. Again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10. Wherefore the rather brethren, who's he talking to? Talking to those who say they're saved. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give all diligence give to, to make your calling and your election sure. The word diligence in the Greek language is one of those words with a multiplicity of meanings. One of the meanings means as fast as you can. Another one means as carefully as you can. What he's saying here, he said as fast as you can, as carefully as you can, make sure, give all diligence to your calling and to your election. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, who is he talking to? Go to the church. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your fear, your salvation, with fear and trembling. We treat it like such a light thing. Such a light thing. Your Bible says that the God of this world and that, I used to think that was the devil. It can be many things. The God of this world can be a better position at your job. 
The God of this world can be more money. The God of this world can be another woman. The God of this world can be keeping up with somebody else. But the Bible says the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. Least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And they be saved. Can I give you the saddest verse of scripture in all the Bible to me? Will you let me do that and then I'll be finished? It's found in Matthew's gospel, the, 20, the 7th chapter. And if, you, and if you've got a Bible, turn there please. If you've got one you need to turn on, that's okay too. But in Matthew's gospel, the 7th chapter, I want to begin in verse number 21. Jesus Christ is speaking to his disciples. He's made a very important statement. Let's go back up to verse 13. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13. Jesus Christ instructing his disciples He says, enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is that way that leads to destruction. And here's a word, many there be that go in thereat. Verse 14, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Now I I promise you, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, okay? In fact, I never took algebra. My son, he taught trigonometry and geometry and a lot of them other things I can't pronounce. I took general math one and general math two. But I know the difference between many and few. And if you've got many over here and you've just got a few over here, you've got a whole lot more over here than you do over here. Now look at verse number 21. Uh, Jesus Christ is speaking to him on that day. He said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute, time out. I was told all you had to do was say a prayer. All you got to do is say, hey God, I need you. And he'll show up. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but rather he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Well, what's the will of God, preacher? Tell us. I'm glad you ask. Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. Word. Here's the word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What's the will of God? That I would repent. That I would see myself as He sees me. With all of my righteousness being as filthy rags in His sight. That He would see me. That that I would see me as He sees me. Ezekiel chapter 16. Polluted in my own blood. And seeing myself in my lost condition. I will cry out and say God forgive me. That's the will of God. But look at verse 22. Many. There's that word again. Many. Verse number 13. Many. Many will say to me in that day, wait a minute, Lord, uh, time out, you made a mistake. Lord, in thy name I have prophesied. The word literally means to lift up with a loud voice. It means to preach, to teach. Here in this group of many, there are some evangelists. There are some preachers, there are some teachers of the Word of God. He says, in thy name I prophesied. In thy name I cast out devils. I don't know if you tried that lately or not. It takes a lot of faith to cast out devils. Seven sons of Sceva, you remember? They thought they'd get in the casting out business, the devil casting out business. They went into the devil-possessed boy's house in the book of Acts. And they said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Paul serves, come out of him. And the devil-possessed boy looked at him and said, look, Jesus we know, and Paul we know. But who are you? And the demon-possessed boy jumped on the seven sons of Sceva and stripped their clothes off, run them out in the road naked, embarrassed them in front of the whole city. Yet these people said, Lord, in thy name we have cast out devils. And Jesus did not rebuke them. And then he goes further. He says, Lord, in thy name, we have done many wonderful works. 
we gave to the offering. Woo! We, we, we worked, you know, at the carnival and, and we gave away candy. We even took our, our time at the church's ballroom. What's that? That's the nursery. You'll get that later. In thy name, Lord, we have done many wonderful works. Do you understand? In verse number 22, these people fully expect to go to heaven. Had you asked any one of them, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved. Let me show you my baptismal certificate. Let me tell you about the ecclesiastical, emotional experience I had. Let me tell you about the prayer my preacher prayed for me. Let me tell you, I'm saved. Verse 23. Then will I say unto them, I never knew He did not say, I knew you and you fell through the cracks. I knew you and you backfired. I knew you and you fell. No, that's not what he said. He said, I never knew you. You joined the church. You said a prayer. But you never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the Lord, Romans 10, 13. The Lord. You know, a lot of people want Jesus as a divine fire escape out of hell. If we can just have him on our terms, it's okay. But he doesn't come to you on your terms. He's Lord. And the Lord tells these people who fully expect to go to heaven, I never knew you. Depart. You worker of iniquity. Fooled. Fooled. Biggest crowd in heaven, in in, in hell. Fooled. Many. Fooled. Preacher, I, I thought I had it nailed down. Do you know, in your Bible, there are only three times that I have found where the Word of God says that you can know that you're saved. It's found in John's Gospel, excuse me, Romans chapter 8. It's found again in 1 John chapter 4. And it's found again in 1 John chapter 5. And this is what your Bible says. You believe your Bible? The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're the child of God. It doesn't matter how good a man your wife thinks you are. Doesn't matter how good a woman your husband thinks you are. Or how wonderful a mother your children think you are. The only way that you can possibly know for sure that you're saved is if the Holy Spirit of God lives within you and bears witness with your spirit that you're saved. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to bow your head with me, please. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.